This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Welcome in everyone who is checking out our session tonight, hearing it live or on the recording. This session is part of Same Here Schools Month, which is, of course, part of Mental Health Awareness Month this May and every May. And this month-long series of content is presented by Beluga, Same Here Global, and the B Podcast Network. This session tonight is called Why Community is the Foundation of Learning. I'm just going to give a little overview. I'll introduce myself briefly, give a little insight into what this topic is about and what we plan to discuss, and then we're going to get our panelists in here to do their thing. So I'm Ross Romano. I'm a leadership development and performance coach, marketing and communication strategy consultant. I have a company called September Strategies, but I'm also co-founder of the B Podcast Network. Right now we have 23 shows focused on education across all environments. And this very series, every one of these Twitter space sessions is available on Apple and Spotify. If you search for Same Here Schools, you should find it. You can subscribe there. And whether it's tonight's session or any of the others you missed, there's about a dozen or so this month. You can check them all out as podcasts. So why community is the foundation of learning? So to me, I mean, there's two parts, right? There's the first part. Why is community important overall? We're talking about the mental health aspect this month. And when it comes to mental and physical health, we know the negative impacts of loneliness and isolation. We also know that access to information, which a lot of that comes in the form of people and perspectives is a determining factor in the quality of knowledge we gain. And even if you think about our online communities on Twitter, on YouTube, the amount of knowledge we can gain and, and access and awareness of what's out there via these channels when we're part of an engaged community. It's relevant to adult learning, student learning. A lot of you may have participated in cohort-based courses, for example, if you think about how that is such a community-driven model, formal and informal professional learning, certainly the classroom when the right conditions for learning are present. And that's part two to me, that conditions for learning piece and how community contributes to those, creates those and challenges those. The reduction of anxiety, an increase in optimism and in motivation. So there's so many things we're going to talk about here today. I don't want to babble on. I want to allow our panelists to get in here, introduce themselves one at a time, and maybe we can kick off with those introductions in kind of giving a little perspective for each of you about how you define kind of the conditions for learning. And this, you can relate it specifically to classroom learning with students. You can relate it to adult learning and why supportive community is part of that. And of course we'll go much deeper, but we can kick it off there. We'll go one at a time. So how about Rola? Welcome to the conversation. Hi, thank you. I'm Rola from Ottawa and I'm presently working at the vice principal. And for me, community really is a sense of belonging, feeling safe, supporting each other's learning and valuing everyone's thinking and perspectives as well. So building that interpersonal relationship and learning alongside each other. Awesome. Marissa, welcome. Hi, everybody. I just want to thank you for including me in this important conversation. Happy to be back, Rola. Happy to see you again and, and be a part of this chat with you again. I'm presently serving at an elementary school as a principal. I think that community is one of the most foundational pieces of school in general. It's, it's sort of reaching to so many aspects of our culture, the morale, and in the many cultures that are formed within staffs that we serve, the student populations, the adult learner part, as well as that community in each individual classroom. So always enthusiastic to learn and talk more about how we can be better about providing a sense of real inclusive communities that are always promoting inclusivity in that message to our students. 
Awesome. Thanks, Marissa, for being here. We also have Elizabeth McDonald here. Hello. I'm super happy to be here with you guys. I'm currently a middle school principal, and I'll be transitioning to the role of assistant superintendent of instruction over the summer. Whenever I think about just community and community building, I think about our learners, especially our youngest learners, and how their communities outside of the school really develop and mold, you know, the way that they learn and the things that they learn and help them develop, you know, that early schema and how the different things within their own communities come into the classroom community and in the school community and how, you know, those interactions with one another really shape our learning and how we can really just kind of hone into that, you know, and really tune in to what our learners need and, and use community as a way to build knowledge within our classrooms. And so I'm just really excited to chat some more and figure out how we can leverage our community ways of knowing in the classroom, as well as, you know, as faculty and staff in schools. Excellent. Thank you. And we have one more speaker with us tonight, and I believe Tracy has joined us. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, thank you so much. It's so great to be here. So my name is Tracy Mergler. I am a special education teacher. I worked in Asia for a while and have been recently back in the States. And I'm also the founder of Safe Space Organization, which both of those roles that I've taken on all come back to community and belonging. And that if we do not have that essential piece in place, we can't get to the next layer that happens in community at a mental health level, but it also happens within our classrooms and within our school districts. So it's one of the essential pillars that I live by and work by with both hats that I'm currently wearing. Awesome. Thanks, Tracy. And thanks, everyone. So, you know, certainly we'll continue this conversation and I'm going to, to put out some different ideas and topics here. And I mean, whoever, you know, has thoughts, feel free to, to kind of jump in, right? It's, we don't necessarily need to divide it up, but, um, you know, let, let's stay on this community piece for now. And then we've heard some definitions of, of what we all think about community and what that means in our learning and why it's important. And of course there's there, I think there's some more to be said, right. About how we define and differentiate what a real community is that we want to cultivate and particularly a supportive community from just a group of people, right. You know, particularly if we're in a classroom environment, there's going to be 20, 25, 30 people there. That doesn't necessarily make it a community until we have actually put some intentional thought into the kind of culture that we want to cultivate, how we want the people inside that community to interact with one another, to support one another. And we know these are all critical factors when it comes to learning. Learning requires attention. It requires focus. It requires a feeling of safety, security, stability, all these things that can be jeopardized by the wrong kind of community or just, you know, a group that really doesn't have a community culture. and on the other hand, can really be empowered and enhanced by a really strong community. So why don't we why kind of start there and start by the role of the educator of being mindful of those dynamics and really thinking about that culture of, of cultivating community and what it requires and what happens if we don't do it. Does anybody kind of want to jump in with some thoughts on that? I'll jump in, Ross, Marisa, Jackson, for those who are just joining us again. I think the conditions for learning in, in classrooms are really very strongly predicated on the model at the front of the classroom, which is the teacher. When we create those, those cultures in our classrooms of community, they often look like a personalized space. So one of the things I think is critical in creating that community of belonging in those individualized classrooms is the relationships piece that our educators first and foremost prioritize with students. And I, and I, I see that in all, it taking all different forms with all different ways and uniquely so based on the personalities of our teachers. I think one of the common threads of creating communities that are effective, however, is that students always know that they're cared for first and foremost. Even if the teacher has that wonderful sort of warm, demanding balance, they always know that they're cared for. And that, for me, is the common thread in those classrooms that 
when you walk into them, you immediately feel that sense of community. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, great input. Anybody else? I just think, you know, as we look at, you know, whenever you're looking at a classroom community, just the, you know, kind of say, thinking about what Marissa said, just the importance of building those connections, you know, with students and seeing who they are individually so that they could come together collectively and truly honoring like who they are and the, the experiences that they bring into the classroom. I just feel as though that goes a long way, even still, you know, it's one of those basic foundational things that everybody says is important. But I think sometimes folks forget, you know, that relationships is key in any classroom to build one, an environment that's even conducive to learning, but then also cultivating relationships between the students and the teacher, as well as between, you know, peer to peer between the students. So whenever you just think about leveraging the individual identities of each student in your classroom to create a very unique, you know, just situation where students are connected to each other and they feel as though they can be connected. I mean, I just think it's one of those really cool dynamics that teachers really can lean into once they've got it together. Excellent. Rola, I saw you have your hand. Yes. Yeah. So it's exactly what everyone has said, just that building connections and really their identity, having to present themselves, be, present their identity, but also at the same time, how is that identity connects to the whole community as well? What kind of things can we do to build that community in the sense of that everyone is able to lean on each other, to feel safe, to really feel that belonging and valuing each other's learning. So creating those scenarios within the classroom on a daily basis, on a regular basis, rather than starting just off with the curriculum, starting with the focus on community and unpacking the causes, root causes of community with the class and having them to have their own voices to co-construct those expectations, not expectation, but also that transformation of how can we be community throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Tracy also as well, when, you know, Marissa had certainly mentioned in her answer about students knowing that they're cared for in the classroom, right? And that's come up a lot and that's a good theme here. And it made me think of this idea. I was sort of batting around earlier around the, the upside of accountability. And accountability done right. And a big part of that is that the, the, the learner knows that somebody cares about what they're doing, cares about their progress. Right? A lot of times accountability can be used uh, as a cudgel or, you know, as a, as a punitive measure and the term can take on a certain connotation that make us a little uncomfortable with it, but at its core, when we talk about communities of learning, whether it's peer to peer whether it's educator to student, there's a measure of saying we have high standards, high expectations, and we're putting the supports in place to ensure that they can be met. And we're going to check in on that. We're going to have conversations, feedback, discussion. You're being, somebody's paying attention to you, right? That's a pretty important thing <laughs> when it, when it's done right to say, look, I, I'm, I, somebody is actually invested in my progress and wants to, to come along that journey with me and support me, you know, do you, do you feel like there's other ways in which that, that thought of accountability can be used for a positive, for learning, for, and for, you know, overall mental, mental well-being? I can just add on to what you've said. Is that okay? I did have my hand raised, but I'm not sure if it's working. Yeah, yes, sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> Jump but in, it, yeah. it's really building that, giving them a chance to really get to know each other's and and see what's come common together. What can they learn from each other's? But also, like, there's so many strategies and so many ways to really go along with the community building throughout the year. And it's the important part is really building that empathy and seeing each other. So. What you see on the surface is not really what's on the inside, that analogy, and really getting to know each other a little bit more on how to cope and, and lean on each other to really be vulnerable and express our feelings and understanding each other, building the perspective and making assumptions with one another. Yeah, totally. I would agree with that, Rola, and it, I think that the teacher and the educator the administration models that and needs to model that 
that if if you were asking these children to come into our space and build this community, build this connection, and we as educators are not showing them or using our own experiences to model that with other teachers or model that in the classroom with them, then how are we expecting them to do that with their peers, right? So that creating safety, and Ross, you started with that, that creating safety is like such a foundation for me because these children come from all walks of life and their experiences at home that shape them and bring them into our classrooms. And we're asking them to sort of take a layer off, a layer of protection that they've started to have to grow in our society. And to do that, we have to model what safety looks like, what it feels like. And so it's, to me, it really falls back on us to show them that way, yes. Yeah, Rolly, yeah. More? Just building onto Tracy as well, and uh, it's really bringing that self awareness as well as that social awareness. It's a key to it, and the students really have to rebuild community, right? Because they've been off and on with their learning. A lot has happened. There's a lot of trauma as well. So really, spending a lot of time on identity and and that self awareness is a key. Really knowing who they are and how they learn. And that social awareness, how they interact with one another, we can't expect them to do that unless we really give the whole school a chance to really build on those skills and really develop them as a community. And I would add to that, that when we do, each time we help students to be accountable to themselves first, I think we're, we're helping them to do all the things that you're talking about. because. When, when they learn that sense of accountability for their, their own thoughts, actions, feelings, they become more in tune to that with others. And when we hold that up for them as the expectation, I think we're more apt to start seeing that as a ripple effect throughout our, our communities, throughout our classrooms, and then throughout our schools. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, and, and the couple of these themes that have come up, the modeling piece, right? Modeling for students that we are actually doing the things that we're asking them to do. And, and that ties into the accountability piece. When I think about conversations I've had around some of the challenges teachers have, or some of the dissonance they may feel about, and you know, some of the, the ways that they would want to empower students in the classroom when they're kind of in an in-between environment where they're not being empowered in the same ways by their school leadership, right? And uh, you can sense like the mental strain when we talk about, you know, not, not just burnout, but just the, the diminishment of passion or just kind of that, I, I think that dissonance toward the, the mission and motivation of, you know, of the work in the classroom when <laughs> we're saying, okay, all these things we say are our values and all these things we're saying are so critical, important for students to do and, and preparing them for the future of work, right. And future ready skills and all these things. And yet as a teacher, I'm feeling like I'm in an environment where that's not really happening for me and significant mental strain associated with that. Right. What do we think about that, about kind of those different dynamics? It's, it's teacher to student. It's administrator to teacher, teacher to administrator and vice versa. It's, it's kind of how the interplay of all these different relationships are taking place and the modeling and accountability we all need to be having in that. Rola, I see you're ready to, ready to jump in. This is amazing. So thank you, first of all, for, for everyone and participation and, and giving their input. We're just building that knowledge together and building that community as well. So that emotional support is a key to supportive community, to providing really individual, creating a safe a nurturing environment, like where everyone feels valued and respected. And we have to model that. It has to come from everybody within the community as well. And that risk-taking, which is act actively engaged their students' voices and teachers' voices. So when they know that they are values, valued, then they, that community starts rebuilding and that, that initiatives begin as well, because they know that they are, their voices are accountable and, and they're they feel safe. So that safety, emotional safety, uh, physical safety, all of those safe 
constructive criticism that is vulnerable to everyone and accepting that, that's a key to really building that community as well. Yes. Marisa? I think I agree with what Rola was just saying. And to build off of that, I think that when we're transparent in our own vulnerability as leaders, that we know things are hard and we're open about when things are hard. We acknowledge when there are challenges, but we keep a steady dose of trying to be solutions oriented, not positivity for the sake of just always being positive, but truly trying to have a solutions oriented kind of a mindset to model that for folks so that they know that if they bring strife, challenge, drain problems to you, that they have a safe space and a fleshy ear at whenever needed to come up with that solution together. And, and that's a hard balance, I think, to strike when you are a leader who is also in a position of evaluator, et cetera. There's that consistent, very intentional relationship building that I think you model with your staff and, and make that a priority. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, you know, we're talking about, of course, community being that foundation of learning. Learning is going to best happen when there's excellent teaching happens. <laughs> and so we need to be thinking about, okay, what type of community and culture and support is empowering and, and, and you know, enabling the best teaching. And then we're having teaching and learning happening between each other. And that's, that's certainly that staff support, that understanding and acknowledgement that everyone's walking into an environment where, where those same values are in play and, you know, and then each of us is kind of able to fulfill our best role in there, teacher to learner and, and so on. So building oh, on well, the teachers to learners and as everyone has been saying, what I'm finding this year, so I'm new in my role as a leader, as a vice principal, and I'm one of the biggest schools in Ottawa, actually, of K to six. And it's interesting because when you talk about teachers, like we are modeling everything, but also that relationship, it's not just a relationship, like getting to know them, of course, is the key, but also that trust that taking risks with them and valuing and supporting them all the way through, dropping in all the time. They know that they count on you. They can ask you questions without judgment and that fulfillment transfers to the students, to everyone in the school, because that's when that safety, right, begins and, and everyone is really willing to learn and take risks again. And when you are learning alongside with them and you accredit everything that they're doing, that's the key really to that success and, and interpersonal relationship, that community building. Right. Marisa? Uh, I, I couldn't agree more that trust is at the center of that role and also that when we are in positions that, that when it's brought to our attention, that there is a struggle, I actually feel humbled by that because that means that there is a safe space there. So I always, you know, think to myself, like, how hard must it be for a teacher to say, I, I'm really struggling with this. I, I don't know what my next steps are to teach this. And, and how hard that must be to say that, that it's, it's, our, it's on us to model that it's okay so that they can then model for our students that that's okay. I right. think that's one of the most important things we can do and, and humble ourselves to just being there to help solve that. But I know I'm on the right track with what I'm doing if that's being brought to my attention in that way, that they're asking me how can, how can I do this? Can you help me do this? Rather than saying, I got it, you know, no problem. I got it. I, I appreciate that so much. Yeah. So let's keeping it there. And Elizabeth, you can jump in here too on, you know, there's two sides or there's more than two sides. There's a lot of people, but to that dynamic of one, those of us who are in the position to create that supportive community, create those conditions and ensure that when, you know, someone doesn't know when they're, when they're having a hard time, when they're struggling, when they just have a question, when they need support, 
they know that they have somebody they can go to, they can receive that support. And also, you know, there's a, there's a way to begin to kind of make inroads into that dynamic on the other side. When I, when I'm the person who doesn't know, right, am I taking that bold step to raise my hand and say, you know what, I'm not sure about this. I'm, I'm going to go out and get help. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to go to my team and then have us brainstorm this together. Right. And that might open up the next person to say, you know what, I was having a, a problem with the same thing, you know, but we were all kind of, while we weren't being unsupportive of one another, nobody was really bringing the real issues to the forefront. And so we weren't able to help with that. So, you know, that's another way the communities can function. Elizabeth, you have something to, to add here? I was just going to, you know, just mention how, you know, I think it was Rolo was talking about and Marissa about the just importance that leaders have in modeling and then just how as a leader, as a school leader, you also model how to build that community, even through your own interactions with students within your building. I feel like it helps to show teachers, like, what are the expectations for how we, you know, care for the kids that are within our charge and how we, you know, just move about our day and how we you know, it's kind of wrap our arms around each individual student. In addition to how we do that with our, our peers, you know, as our, our fellow faculty members and how we just help to develop those safe spaces, you know, in those meetings that we're having, in the talks that we're having, in the check-ins that we have with different folks in the building. And I do think it has to be very intentional because, you know, in a school building, you know, a lot of folks, sometimes they feel left out or they feel as though there they're are pockets of people. And so you have to be very intentional in building relationships just across the board with multiple folks to make sure everybody feels a part. Yeah. How, how do we find community? And Elizabeth, we could start with you on this one too. We're, you know, particularly we're thinking about it from the perspective of administrators who, you know, may be the only person in their role in at least their building, if not their entire district. Right. And we still want to tap into benefits of professional communities, you know, those who kind of understand what we're doing and can support us, but we may have to take those steps to really be proactive and go out and find community and, you know, create community from scratch that it's not just staring us in the face. And yet that can be just as important to effectiveness and certainly well-being, mental wellness to, to really not feel that isolation or, or just that you know, the opportunity cost, I would say, of not being able to tap into others who are going to have a perspective that's relevant. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes walking the school leadership road, it, you know, it's, it can be a lonely road, you know, and you really have to find ways, like you were mentioning, to really just kind of go outside of your own comfort zone at times. You know, I, I've always said I'm a very much an introverted person. But in this work, you really have to be willing to put yourself out there, you know, not only for your own sake and to have that listening ear within, you know, with another person that, that does the same thing that you do, but also for the sake of your school, you know, because being an introvert as a leader, I mean, it most certainly pushes you to figure out how do I connect with people in the most authentic way, right? So I can be my, be who I am authentically. But at the same time, be open to who others are and the energy that they need in order to continue doing this work. I feel like it's it's all a finding game, you know, where you're trying to find people and you're making connections at meetings and online, right? Like we're in this space and I'm super excited to get to meet some of the folks on here. And, you know, you just intentionally build those relationships with others. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else want to chime in on? I'll chime in. It's exactly what Elizabeth has said, but also like embracing diversity, not only like intellectual diversity, social diversity, all of those things that the, everyone brings as well. It's including everyone with so many perspectives and so many backgrounds and, and having them that they, they are all expertise in, you know, within from who they are and really giving them opportunities to grow. So like we've talked about having educators, when educators are happy and taking those risks and they know that they're feeling safe no matter what they are doing and, and they have someone who can always there to support them, either their colleagues or even from admin. But also that safety is huge and that everyone 
no one should be making assumptions about even the students or about other educators is building that value, value for learning and value for respect among each other's. That's the key as well. Oh, right. That, yeah, that point about diversity is so important and, and diverse representation in communities. And, you know, I think two of the, two of the biggest detriments to, you know, mental health and mental wellness broadly are one, the feeling that I'm the only one I'm alone. I'm the only one who's dealing with this. I'm alone. Nobody else can relate to me. And the second is that, you know, anxiety, fear of the unknown fear that outside of my, my, you know, sphere of perspective outside of my bubble, there's things happening and I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on out there and, and everybody, and, and both of those things are addressed by intentionally putting ourselves into diverse communities by understanding not only are a lot of people having the same challenges I'm having, but people who seem very different from me, people who are coming from very different backgrounds and perspectives. We all have these things in common. And then also I'm learning so much more about the, and I'm learning these opportunities to connect and engage and work together and support one another. And we're all, it's very additive because we're all bringing something different to the mix and, and breaking free of that isolation intentionally to positive effect. Marisa. I think that's so important. I'm in a, like I said, an elementary school. And one of the ways that I think we do that and we help students to know that is really helping them to develop and encourage always a message of acceptance and inclusion. We do that in big and small ways. You know, you can you can throw a day where you're studying anti-bullying month and we all wear orange for spirit day, but what does it mean? What does it really call each of us to think about, to learn about? And that empathy piece that was spoken about earlier is is at that core where students really have to start, have to be able to be, have conversations about why someone else might think or feel that. What would you have felt if you were in that situation? And having those conversations with students about those things in our classrooms, embedded in our community, morning meeting, those little pieces that all are the sum total of building a culture of community I think are so important that we are always intentional about that, especially early on in the elementary levels where I am. Yeah, and our community, of course, the community is not just the individual, you know, the, the individuals that make up the community, but it's all of the ideas, resources, information, media, so on and so forth that we bring into that community. Right. And, you know, anybody jump in here, but what does it mean to, to students and their ability to, you know, to engage with the process of learning when we are mindful and intentional about having representative, you know, information and resources and, and not only the people, but the things we bring into those communities that it shows them that it represents them. And it also, you know, represents things that are new to them, but, but it just, it, it puts all of that into the mix, right? And says, that's what we do here. We got a lot of hands raised. So anybody feel free to start off. Elizabeth, you can start. You know, I just, I just think that's the key component. You know, I've had the, the amazing opportunity to work at all three levels in education and just knowing the, the way that students respond when they can connect to something that's being taught in the classroom, when it connects to their culture, when it connects to who they are, and just the importance of those moments in building learning experiences and the way students respond to those experiences. I mean, it's, it's game changing, you know, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes we don't see enough of it in classrooms when we know this is good practice. Like, Creating those culturally sustaining environments is good practice, you know, letting students be seen, letting them know that they're valued and that their way of knowing within their culture is academic, you know, and that that, that, that can continue to be, they can continue to be who they are and excel and 
and do great things. And there are people that look like them that have done great things, people that think like them that have done great things. And just, you know, the way that we can pull that at the earliest moments, you know, in classrooms and be very intentional with making sure all of our students get to feel seen and heard and valued every single day in the littlest of ways and in the biggest of ways. I just think it's it's one of those core values that I think we really just need to really be intentional with in in classroom and in instruction, you know, just for students to just have meaningful experiences. Yeah. Roll up. Yes. Elizabeth, I was going to clap and put my 100% and all kind of things that everyone is saying. It's, it is, it's really, yeah, getting students to connect themselves to their learning and, and also having them to really see themselves as part of the community. So how does this relate to them? What is happening in our community? How can what we are learning really connects or, or giving them that leadership, that voices where they can take an active role and participate in those community. Do what do we see around us that needs growth or needs transformation? So having them to take those initiatives on anything related to wellness, to having to collect data, interview people, having to really see themselves part of the environment. And I think that is really, you know, connecting their peers and their well-being to action taking and having to really be present in the decision making and and having that leadership making that process related to great initiative growth and wellness. Yeah, Marisa? Absolutely. I one of the things that I was thinking about is how we create agency in our students and student voice and encourage that by giving them opportunity. Student council is a great example of that in our school where we are early on helping students to ask essential questions about the world around them. So we partner always in whatever we do with some community organization. And one of the things that we told them at the beginning of the year was, by the end of the year, we want you to collectively plan some type of an event where you're the ones creating the who, the why, And fourth and fifth graders felt that the animals in our community, once they learned about how many are without homes, wanted to do something for them. And they expressed that to us. And we said, okay, what can we do? And so I think it's giving students that opportunity to represent themselves in the community as well, connect themselves to a larger community beyond themselves. And we open them up to all sorts of learning when we do that. That student agency, of course, and the natural connection with student leadership, but it's beyond that because we're giving them an opportunity to see a different perspective when we open them up to those experiences. Yeah, and those experiences, you know, they all, all those examples strike me as creating a true invitation to bring their, you know, your authentic self to the learning process, right? And really come as you are, bring your thoughts, your ideas, your background, your perspectives, and, and have us learn something new from you as well, right? That, that we're all, you know, if that's our expectation that we're all having, you know, we all bring something different to the mix, then that's, that's part of the the process too, right? Is that there's not one way to do it, (laughs) you know, and that makes it a much stronger community. And that, also, you know, leading me to this idea. So I, you know, I've been thinking about this recently in, in coaching work around, there's a lot of emphasis that we put on receiving permission, especially when you want to kind of push a little further, a little further. This is the thing with learning, right? For real learning to take place, we're stretching, we're stretching their minds. We're stretching learners, maybe a little bit outside of their comfort zone, right? We want them to take risks. We want them to try something new. We want them to, you know, in order to add to their knowledge base, they're going to have to, sometimes they might fail or sometimes they, you know, it's at least going to be a little uncomfortable. And based on whatever their experience has been in school in the past with their peers or with educators, you know, the credibility piece to really do that does need to be earned. It's not, it doesn't just happen automatically. And 
I think a lot of that part of that is is addressed by what you all were just talking about, really, with that creation of those, you know, the the different representation and the way to invite students into the learning process. But also, there's probably a little more there too, right, to dig into as far as how do we really you know, establish those communities and the relationships within the communities where the student is open, you know, to the educator really pushing them to that next level, you know, and, and anything beyond what we've already talked about. We've talked about the accountability, right? The modeling, all of this, but there's probably a little more there because many of these things are to the, to the macro of the community, but there's also smaller sub-communities and individual relationships within communities where we also have to, you know, we keep working on that as well. I'm just going to add on. I'm just going to add on. I'm just, there's the echo is gone. So it, it's exactly what everyone has been saying. And it's, it's more when they, they see not only within the classroom, but also engaging as a whole community. It's, it's that supportive, that supportive emotional support from individuals to the bigger community, to the bigger community as well. Not only that they, they see that their academics are important, but also having that voice, that taking action, that giving a purpose for their learning, that really grow and having them to problem solve together and work together as, as a, as a bigger community from different grade level representations of everything that they see that they need, we need to work on together. And that's the key that encourages that ownership and that development within the community. So it's not based on that criticizing and nothing has happened or, or just commenting, but also that belonging and, and problem solving as a community is very important and making space for that. This is where a lot of that perspective building becomes positive. There's no assumptions being made. And so giving everyone experience for collaborative learning and problem solving together. Yeah. Marisa? I think I agree with you, Roland. What you were also saying, Ross, in, in regards to students, you know, kind of pushing to the next level. How do we do that? How do we make sure that those relationships in the community are helping us to push students to the next level? And I, I think that it's, it's all of what we've talked about, but it's also those high expectations and, and being super explicit about what that means. So when we, when in the simplest of ways, when we give students the tasks and the activity, we also give them the why. We help them understand the purpose that the learning fits into in that greater unit of study. And then after that, how do we connect that to our outside world, to the communities we serve in, et cetera, et cetera. I think when we're in the business of education, we know that there's a gazillion things going through a teacher's mind on any given day and in, in any given lesson. And the amount of, of sort of emotional bandwidth and intellectual bandwidth it takes them to go through a day and the lesson is, is extensive. And I think when we really look at intentionally as professionals together in our own professional development, those, those moves that we give to kids with setting the why, the purpose, and helping them to know the connection of their learning to larger essential questions about the community around them, the learning outside of school, it, it is helping to deliver on all of these things that we're talking about so they have that connection. And they can then probably be pushed to be more interested and be more engaged in that learning experience. Hundred, I was just going to add to Marissa exactly that it's really creating that inclusive, enrich, enriching, like learning environment that it's not only nurturing academic, but also personal development. And when they see that personal development and fostering empathy, like the kids really start connecting all of that personal as well as cultural and identity, all of that competencies, promoting personal, promoting their own growth and seeing that as a, as a collaborative community skill of learning. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think what I want to ask at this point, part of the, the reason why we have these conversations, one is of course, cause it's important, but, the, but two is that 
if this was just automatically happening everywhere all the time, we probably wouldn't need to discuss it because it would be obvious. <laughs> it would be, you know, we would talk about something else. So clearly there is room for improvement. There is, you know, there is a need for reprioritization or for ensuring that this happens, that community cultivation culture, you know, and, and, and creating that community is a priority. If we're talking about it as the foundation of learning, the thing that supports everything that comes, you know, above it, it, it can't be the thing that we hope we get to. Okay. Once we do X, Y, Z, then if we have a little extra time for community building, then excellent. And if not, maybe next time. So what do we think about that? How, how do we really take that step back, look at the, the wall of priorities and say, we need to reconfigure this. We need to make sure that this is an emphasis that this happens, you know, and it happens first before we get down the road and realize, oh, we never really did that. Marisa. I, I completely agree with you. It's not like a happenstance. I think it's making intentional decisions, but I think it's doing that with the voices all around your, your school communities. So for example, when we say, oh, we want it, we want SEL, you know, we want social emotional learning in our classrooms, but what does that mean? What, what, when teachers hear that, that, that sometimes is, oh, they want me to implement a curriculum, right? But it's, it's helping them to understand that embedding social emotional learning and embedding you know, all of those standards of competencies in social emotional learning is really foundational to your teaching. It's not separate and apart. It's not this add-on. It's not a curriculum. It's helping us to continually, relentlessly have conversations about how that's embedded in your classroom culture and in your routines with your teaching moves. And one of the ways I think that we as leaders, because like you said, it, it doesn't always happen and, and there is a need for us to grow this so that classrooms aren't just about content and academics and pushing scope and sequences, but it is about the whole child that we're addressing and developing. And, and the way I think that happens where we're modeling for them, it's important to us. So we're going to have it on our time together, our agendas. We're going to have it as a common planning time theme. We're going to just talk about ways that we are sharing ideas to promote that community. I think when we make it important, we help teachers to focus on it better because teachers want to do the right thing in giving their students a whole, a whole approach, I think, at the end of the day. Most teachers do. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you, you referenced SEL because I was thinking recently there was, it was maybe seven, eight years ago, and this has changed a lot in the meantime, but this is where things were, where there was a survey of principals, I think maybe NASSP did the survey, but I, I think 97% or something of principals said SEL was somewhat or very important but maybe 30% had an intentional plan for doing it. Right. And there was that big gap. And then recently, you know, even to this point of culture and community and those things, I, you know, on my podcast, I interviewed Mark Miller, who's the VP of, of high performance leadership for Chick-fil-A. And, and so they, you know, this is not just exclusive to education because they did research with 6,000 leaders in all kinds of industries. And 71% of leaders in the U.S. said culture was the number one most powerful tool, right, to drive performance. And, and so that would be, you know, relate to teaching and learning, but it was on average 11th on their priority list. So there was that huge disconnect. Okay, this is the, this is the most powerful thing I can do. And yet, if I get to my first 10 things first, then maybe I'll do it, right? So it's. You know, it's exactly the same conversation, I think, here where we have that recognition of, yes, we have that maybe vision in our head of what we would like this to look like. And we know exactly what it means for everybody involved. But, you know, we either need to sort of, you know, sometimes determine what those actions are and how do we actually do this and then to, you know, navigate the challenges of 
time and all, you know, all the various factors that sometimes prevent it from happening the way we would like it to happen. Because as you, as you said, it's not just going to happen on its own. And if it does, it's going to be organic to whatever's going on there. And whatever that community looks like is, is not really going to be what we envision. Does anybody else have any, anything else that we haven't really touched on just related to, you know, the importance of community in our schools, the community that we would like to see and create, you know, any steps we should be thinking about taking to, to ensure that they are, they are in place. Marisa. I think one of the things we haven't really talked about tonight is the families. Mm -hmm. All of our students are attached to a family that they come from. And how do we best serve the diverse families in, in each of the schools where we, where we are? And how do we make those authentic connections with families? How do we continually figure out how to hear from? And this is something we've really talked about a lot at my, with my team this year, the voices who aren't always calling, um, the voices who you never hear from. They're, they're never calling the school. You know, what would they like to see? What would they hope for? What, what, what are we missing? And so I think even when you're doing well in certain things, it's always to think about, well, who isn't here at the table and represented in this conversation? Who needs to be? That piece, I think we always have to keep at the center, too, of our communities because we're only as strong, you know, as our weakest link that saying goes, like if we're missing, you know, big pieces of understanding our communities better, we, we won't get there. So I think that's an important point, too, that we we have to think about the families, their voices that are often not a part of the decisions that we're making. Absolutely. Elizabeth? I think just building on what Marisa was saying, like, you know, looking at who's missing, but then being really self-reflective as your, as your school body of why they're missing, you know, and, and why are they not a part of this conversation? What's prohibiting them or inhibiting them from being, feeling like they can share what they would like to see as a part of the school culture? And so making sure that you're being, you know, that you're really going, just reaching out to people and setting up those conversations to really learn more and to gain more perspective into how you can better serve the needs of those families and to meet the needs of those families and to ensure that, you know, that you truly have the best intentions and the best, you know, will for, for the students that are coming in and that you really value the students that they're sending to you, how they are, how they show up each and every day, no matter what that looks like and no matter what form that comes in. Yeah, that's uh, so critical. I'm glad you both brought that up because it's, you know, certain that piece of really being mindful about thinking about who is in our community, how would they like to engage with what we're doing in the school, what information or tools or process can we provide to them to make sure that they're able to, to do that? How do we make it accessible? How do we make sure that they feel informed about what we're doing here so that they're then able to engage with us directly, support our learners, right? And really strengthen that community because everybody has a large support system around them and also their smaller support systems. And that really strengthens everything we do. Rola? Yes, as, as you have just summarized and as Elizabeth and Marisa has said, Informing them, I think many parents that grew up in a different kind of school system or school, you know, expectations, and they think that if they call or if they ask or that's, you know, that's maybe that's not something that they have done in the past or only if there's a problem, you connect with them. So that communication piece and information piece is very important. And if you don't hear from them, you have to pick up the phone and just call and just make sure that they they feel that they are present, you know, and, and connected to the school community and not only like informing on a regular basis what's happening within the school community, but also having classroom teachers really build that connection as well and can, and send, like we say, sunshine notes or congratulations or everything that is happening within the class, giving to them. That could be sometimes a language barrier, it could be many barriers. And if they don't get it online, 
maybe then, you know, go and deliver a newsletter or deliver something to their place. So that community is a huge, having family included in it. This is, this is actually is inclusivity and, and building that collaboration and diversity into the belonging and connectedness of a community. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone. We've, we've talked about a whole lot of stuff here. So, you know, we've given our listeners a lot of things to think about, but also the more we talk about the, the harder we, we make their job. So let's make it easy here as we wrap up. I'd love to go to each of our speakers and just have you highlight, you know, one final thing from the discussion that you'd love for our listeners to remember, to take away from this, you know, to kind of distill it down and summarize it. So that folks that have listened through this have kind of those key points as each of you see them to say, look, you know, if there's one, if there's one main takeaway from this discussion, here's what it is. So I want each of you to have an opportunity so we can go one by one, but uh, Tracy, if you'd like to start or whoever would like to jump in. Yes, I will. And guys, I'm sorry. I just found the raised hand thing. So I'm, I'm an hour late to the party, but I think the big thing for me and everybody's input tonight was fantastic is that when we're building community, we're in a new world here. We're in, we're in something that we haven't been a part of before, right? That we're now taking this mental health and adding it into what teachers and administration and students have, we've not really, we've not really done under the walls of a school yet. And so that we are all learning together under this. And so being vulnerable enough to say, I'm right there with you in this and we're going to try this out and maybe this doesn't work and then we're going to adapt and we're going to try something else. But really knowing that to build that community, that it's authentically going to do it on its own once you provide the safety and the space for it to do so. So thank you guys for being a part of tonight. Yes. Thank you. And Tracy, you know, to be honest with you, I have no idea how to raise my hand either. Luckily I haven't needed it. But you know what, let me, do you have a second one? I'll give, I'll give you, I'm going to give you two turns of this round. If you'd like, because you know, I, yeah. I was vulnerable and I put it out there. Look, and you matched me. So there we go. We just modeled. We just yeah. I'm very, I was, I'm very impressed by everybody who knows how to do it. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Marisa. I was right there with you, Tracy. I was hitting those buttons in the lower right-hand corner and I stumbled into the hand. So I was right there with you. I was going to say that the one of the biggest keys, I think, is just trying to build relationships. One staff member at a time, one family at a time, one student at a time. It's that key piece it takes a while. It takes a long time. But if we were to distill all of what we're talking about in communities down to how we make it something that really becomes a community we can all be striving in, it really is centered around those relationships. And it's it's hard because you only have so many hours. I, I think a lot of teachers and, and leaders will talk about the struggle of that. But I think it's saying this week, I'm going to make sure that I am in X number of classrooms. I'm going to make sure that by, you know, X month, I've learned this many students' first names and know how to pronounce them and say them every morning. And I think it's all those pieces that really, in in the great analysis of it all, do help us to create these communities. It's the, it's the relationship piece is one of the, the most important things. Excellent. Rola? I was just looking at the time. I enjoy, by the way, the hands up and down. But anyway, so adding on, it's really being an active listener to be building that relationship and engaging in a respectful dialogue as a whole school as well with everyone, with the parents and and building that essential team building relationship where everybody's voices are valued and heard. Perfect. And Elizabeth, you get the final, the final say. You know, I just think, you know, just the importance of community and not losing sight of that and knowing that everybody wants to belong to something. And so if we can make all of our students, all of our teachers, all of the administrators, all the folks in our building feel a part of something, 
you know, just the impact that that can have on a student's ability to learn, their desire to learn. And I'm just really happy to be here with you guys. Tracy, I just want you to know that I spent the first three minutes trying to figure that out once I saw somebody's hand go up. So we're, we're all in this together. Oh, appreciate that. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, thanks so much, everyone. Thanks for all of our speakers, especially, and for our listeners, everybody who joined here tonight and who listens in the future. You know, everybody do please check out hashtag same here schools on Apple podcast or on Spotify. You can hear this session again, and you can hear all the sessions all month and please follow Beluga here on Twitter. They're tweeting about all of the spaces we're doing. There's several more throughout the rest of the month and a lot more content here for mental health awareness month and for same here schools month. So please do engage with all of that. And thank you all for being here. Do you want to simplify your school's technology? save teachers time and improve students performance on state assessments you can do it all but don't waste another minute head straight to ixl.com forward slash be to learn how ixl's research proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals that's ixl.com forward slash be